As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. I think we need an intercom system. <laughs> you mean after last night's shower incident? <laughs> um, yeah. Cat uh, was trying to figure out the name of uh, no. <laughs> Lee Greenwood, and don't ask us why. But... I, I, but she's in the shower, and uh, when she's trying to figure out what it is, what what a name is, she'll kind of go through the alphabet, and she'll make noises. And so she's in the bathroom, and she's going, Lee, Gree, and all I'm hearing is, you know, because the shower is pelting down upon your glistening Lee, body. Lee, Greenfield, Lee, Green, Green. Vibe. And green. then she, she comes out and she's like, why didn't you come into the bathroom and help me figure out Lee Greenwood's name? <laughs> Is that what you were doing? Yeah. <laughs> I just heard. <laughs> Which is not too dissimilar from the sounds that she makes when she's just washing her body. <laughs> She'll be sudsing up. <laughs> like that. I just worry that someday something's going to happen to me and I'm going to be on the ground and I'm going to be like, help me. <laughs> and you're going to be all like, oh, there she goes, making noises again. Yep, just uh, making noises. Just <laughs> she makes sound effects for everything. Like when she's like on her phone and she'll push a button on the phone, it's always boop. No, <laughs> don't. Boop. <laughs> boop. Which is adorable That's and quite, not true it's either. endearing. Yeah. It is endearing. All right. Um, you go first. Do I? Yes, you do. Excellent. Okay. Boop. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even realize you did it, did you? Hey, so much. <laughs> hey, 2020. What a shit show, right? Am I right? <laughs> Yeah. I've seen uh, really good memes come out of this year, and that's pretty much the end of it. Yeah, that's it, as far as um, I'm concerned. So we had this uh, this pandemic thing happen, and because of that, you know, there was that shortage of toilet paper, yeah. which got people in a, in, a real, in a real tizzy for a bit there. Mm-hmm. 
uh, paper towels, also uh, baby wipes. And then uh, not long after that, there was a coin shortage. Restaurants and uh, fast food, they weren't accepting coins. Coins, yeah. Then we noticed not long after that that the home improvement stores were running out of everything. It was like, oh, we don't have any appliances anymore. Everyone was remodeling because they were stuck at home, so why not remodel? (laughs) Stores were running out of lumber, windows, gardening supplies. The uh, local Lowe's was out of a particular type of potting soil. I needed potting soil for my cactus. Mm -hmm. It was out for Five months. There was none. And uh, I belonged to a cactus group on Facebook. And everyone was like, are you able to get soil right now? And everyone was like, no, I can't even repot my cactus. It was a thing. Cat's a a member of a cactus Facebook group. (laughs) Anyway, so... (laughs) <laughs> lots of lots of things were were out of stock, sure. quote unquote. I and remember. we can make do. We found ways to make do without these things. Well, except for toilet paper. No, of course you can make do. You get rags, you wash them. It's this, you know, we've done it for generations. <laughs> well, we can can go back to it. Not, not you and me. Well, no, we didn't do that. No. Uh, we bought a bidet. That's helped. <laughs> It really has. Yeah. I love it. Because then you just have to dry your bum off. But now I need the upgrade. I can't do the cold water bidet anymore. <laughs> yeah, I need that's another one. sound she makes when she's in the bathroom. <laughs> She'll be in there and I'll hear, ah! I'm like, okay, use the bidet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't set it on the on the uh, intrusive setting. No, yeah, no, no, don't, no. Don't do that. Uh, anyway, there have been plenty of times that we have run out of things. And maybe things that you wouldn't expect. Toilet paper, yes, we we had an issue with that. But in 2018, Taiwan had a serious issue with toilet paper. Consumers in cities across the country were going to stores and finding zero toilet paper. Apparently, producers had warned retailers of an impending price hike. And some of the retailers let consumers know. So consumers purchased all the toilet paper. Ah. And then there was none. So uh, once they started stocking up, while it was still cheap, that meant that other people couldn't buy any. There was hoarding going on. It was a real problem. Taiwan was out of toilet paper. It's not a great situation to be in. And I don't know about their situation with bidets. So (laughs) then I actually uh, saw this segment on the Colbert Report not long ago. In 2011, there was a particularly rainy summer, and that limited the amount of grazing time that cows were getting. And in Norway, when it came time to make butter, there wasn't enough milk to meet demand for butter making. Butter prices went through the roof. And at the same time, demand was increasing rapidly. Um, One, the holidays were coming up, and a lot of Norwegian holiday dishes are based on butter, (laughs) which is why they're delicious. It's a prime ingredient. Also, a lot of people were picking up on that high-fat, low-carb diet thing, the Atkins thing. So demand had increased by 20% over that same time the last year. Wow, wow. So those two things together led to a butter crisis. Butter crisis. They did not have margarine available or oleo, if you will. How dare you? How dare you? How dare me? (laughs) Okay. Oh, geez. All right. 
People are used to the dad jokes coming from me. <laughs> the situation was so dire, Derry, that police in Norway actually were apprehending butter smugglers. <laughs> it was a problem. People were smuggling butter in their pants. Yeah. There was an incident where two Swedish men uh, were apprehended with over 250 kilos of butter. <laughs> <laughs> they were trying to sell the contraband spread at uh, over $42 a packet. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Wow. There, were, um, there was a high school who was using a pound of butter as a fundraiser for their college. <laughs> I mean, their, for their prom. They <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> they were doing an auction. <laughs> I think they raised like $200. It was crazy. Anyway, uh, it was a big deal. Uh, and it took a while to get sorted out. There were tariffs that, that had to be lowered. And they ended up getting some butter from some neighboring countries that worked out okay. But well, That's good. I'm glad. It took a while. Nobody wants to use pants butter during the holidays. Let's talk about corpse shortages. Corpse? Okay. During the 18th century, when medicine went from a very uh, old-style, superstitious kind of study to a more scientific approach, medical schools were like, yeah, let's dig into these bodies. And there was a real cadaver shortage. Uh, students had to get experience operating on real bodies, but there were a lot of people who still held strong beliefs that your body had to remain intact mm -hmm. after death. Sure. And so there weren't enough dead bodies to experiment on. Scotland even went so far as to offer students tuition discounts in exchange for cadavers that they brought with them. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say in exchange for them willing their cadaver to the school once oh, they mean, were done using it. That might work too. Okay. Yeah. Wow. But I love the idea of like, here, you bring something of value to mm -hmm. the school, we're going to give you a discount. I think it's a wonderful <laughs> idea that should be implemented in other ways too. But, you know. Like like what? Well, instead of corpses, what would you... Uh... Well, I don't know. If you had a particular skill set and mm -hmm. you could you you know it's like the the whole problem with the brain drain you know you you educate people in your state and then they move out of your state to work elsewhere okay, there's sure. a there's a real problem with that sure. so if you could uh encourage people to bring their uh, skill set there'd be a lot of sex workers with postgraduate degrees hey do what you're good at that's what i say <laughs> All right, so 1941, um, there was a real problem with a silk shortage. So silk was used for parachutes, and they were also the best material for powder bags for naval guns. Mm -hmm. And I actually uh, have a lot more information about how silk was used for naval guns, but I don't know if that's important to share. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of skimming it right now, and I do think it's interesting. So when guns were fired, the... <laughs> What happened was the silk would disintegrate, and it wouldn't leave any damaging residue. I so, see. Uh, to protect the the resources, the Office of Production Management seized the nation's supply of raw silk in 1941, and this set off a shopping frenzy for silk stockings. I know how this ends. You do. Yep. <laughs> I won't ruin it. Go ahead. Thank you. Nylons. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's right. So nylon stockings became increasingly popular on the black market, and they sold for up to $20 a pair. In 1941. In 1941. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Before the war, no well-dressed woman was spotted without hose. Nor was any well-dressed man, for that matter. (laughs) Dairy. Um, To simulate the look of nylons, some women would use leg makeup from cosmetics companies like Max Factor. Liquid stockings would allegedly last up to three days if you didn't shower. It just kind of created a smoothing. Did it have like the uh, the little line in the back of the leg, like the original silk stockings? Did? No, no. If possible, a seam was painted down the back of the leg with an eyebrow pencil. That's, usually, yeah, that's what I was. I was wondering. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, the leg makeup was endangered though if a woman brushed her legs together while walking, crossed her legs. Mm. It rained. Because nylon stockings were so widely sought after, they also became the target of crime. In Louisiana, one household was robbed of 18 pairs of nylons. And in Chicago that same year, a murder was investigated and it was determined that robbery was not the reason for the murder because the woman was still wearing nylon stockings. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. In August of 1945, eight days after Japan's surrender, DuPont announced that they would resume producing stockings. And newspaper headlines went nuts. It was like, cheers. Hold on. I have it. Boop. Shh. shh. Peace is here. Nylons on sale. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, good. That was the headlines. Um DuPont's announcement indicated that nylons would be available in September, and the motto, nylons by Christmas, was everywhere. Oh, wow. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> like, what would happen if you bought me a pair of nylons for Christmas? I'd be like, oh, thank you. Boop. I'll just put these over here. Um, so DuPont had this plan. They forecast that they were going to produce 360 million pairs per year, but they really overestimated. And that caused a big problem because at this point, women were like, you told us we were going to have our hose back. <laughs> and that led to riots. There were nylon there riots? There were nylon riots. The first riot occurred in September when a small post-war shipment of stockings went on limited sale around the country. Stores were flooded with mobs of women clamoring to get their hands on a pair of nylons. The riots grew in severity. In November of that year, 30,000 women reportedly lined up in New York to get nylons. 40,000 women in Pittsburgh queued for 13,000 pairs. That's nuts. So can you imagine 40,000 women trying to get 13,000 pairs of (laughs) nylons? A headline in Georgia read, Women risk life and limb in the bitter battle for nylons. Wow. Yeah. Mob mentality is a weird thing, isn't it? It really is. And when you consider that they made do all this time, it's not – I mean, I can understand the idea of like, oh, I was the first to get nylons mm-hmm. back. But mm-hmm. how can that be that important to you that you're willing to risk your and others' lives yeah. to get something that I hate wearing? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, every once in a while I'll put on a pair of tights. I love a tights. Sure. Yeah. But – I don't know. There's a difference between tights and nylons, and I do not care for nylons. You wouldn't shiv a bitch for a pair. 
No, I guess not. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that is a um, a few instances where we have run out of things, mm. and it's not been great. And then there's artificially created shortages right around Christmas time. Oh, yeah. You know, like the hottest toy. There's and only one Cabbage Patch doll left. Will you get it? I lived in Pittsburgh during the Cabbage Patch doll craze, mm. and I distinctly remember a local news station covering the opening of a store where they had some and the bloody carnage <laughs> that ensued. I had to sit down because I was getting woozy. People punching each other in yeah. the face. And these are like moms that are <laughs> <laughs> willing to commit violence against their fellow man right. in order to get one of these horrible, ugly dolls. <gasps> How dare you? So their kid could uh, say they had one at Christmas. Yeah. Probably didn't even get played with. I had a Cabbage Patch doll when I was a kid. One of the originals? I don't know. I can't remember who bought the company. I mean, considering my childhood, do you think I had like the expensive toy? No. Mm. Uh, I do remember, though, having a real Cabbage Patch doll, and I also had one that someone had made. And let me tell you, if you think the real ones were ugly, <laughs> really? picture a homemade Cabbage Patch doll. Oh, my God. It was horrifying. Did it uh, lead to nights of sleepless turmoil <laughs> for you? Yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was pretty bad. I wish I still had it. I would eBay that shit so fast. <laughs> <laughs> Here, buy this incredibly scary witch doll. I think it was made with real hair. And now, that thing in the middle. When you join the Freaks group on Facebook, there is a single question in order to request membership. And that is, do you hereby swear that you will be nothing but sweetness to your fellow freaks and approach this conversation with love in your heart and pants? We've had some pretty great answers. And so for today's thing in the middle, it's five fun responses to the Freaks membership question. Number five, David says, I swear with claw on heart that I will be only nice and sweet to all the members. David um, descended from Lobster Boy, apparently. Number four, Megan says, I don't know if I have much sweetness, and I know that I don't have any love in my heart, but I definitely have sweetness <laughs> and love in my pants. Mm. However, I am in a committed relationship, so I promise to keep it in my pants and treat people nice. That's fair. Number three, Eliza says, yes, I swear I will be sweet and have nothing but love in my heart and pants. But if I'm wearing a skirt, then all bets are off. Number two, Matthew, I have nothing but sweetness to give my fellow freaks and only love shall flow from my heart and pants, but only with explicit consent. And number one, Elena writes, I do hereby solemnly swear that I shall do my utmost to uphold all sweetness and love in my heart to my fellow freaks, but what's in my pants ain't nobody's business. <laughs> if you want to join the Freaks group on Facebook, it's a pretty simple process. Just uh, answer that question, pretty much. <laughs> the Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. 
Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away and my daughter is expecting a child and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout and you will save thanks aura frames for bringing my family a little bit closer hey there i'm dylan lewis one of the hosts of motley fool money each weekday on motley fool money we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on wall street on weekends we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts authors and executives that understand them tune in for insights a long-term perspective on investing and of course stock ideas plenty of them To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If this podcast were a puppy or kitten, it would be all cute and cuddly. Then stare at you from two inches away while you slept. This is The Box of Oddities. I came across an old documentary that was uh, hosted by Walter Cronkite. Nice. Yeah. It was from 1967. It was called The Futurists. And he asked people who were forward-thinking scientists of the day Mm -hmm. what it would be like in the year 2000, between the year 2000 and, and 2020. You love these. I do. Here's a little clip. This People is People in the past estimating what the future would be like. The future is now or actually the past. And we get to look at it and go, hey, you were dumb. 
<laughs> or, holy shit, they were right on the money. Either way, it's entertaining. It's true. Futurist R. Buckminster Fuller was asked what was going to happen by Walter Cronkite, and here's what he said. We ourselves consist physically of atoms, and we know that all the atoms have their frequencies. It, would be, it is theoretically possible to pick up all of our frequencies and actually send, send us by radio. You mean we'll be able to transmit ourselves somewhere else? Yes. To, to be reconstituted in some distant place? Yeah. It hasn't <laughs> happened yet that I know of. Right. That we can be uh, teleported elsewhere via radio waves. But, uh, you know, it's only a matter of time, I think. I mean, really, isn't that what we're doing now? Sharing no, ourselves? N- no, it's nothing like that at Via all. Via audio. <laughs> Sharing ourselves. Okay, sorry. In 1935, Liberty Magazine did an interview with, uh, with Tesla, with Nikola Tesla. And his prediction was that by the year 2000, people would no longer be drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you look horrified by that. He said that uh, it simply wouldn't be the thing to do to poison our systems with what he considered to be harmful stimulants like caffeine and nicotine. He thought alcohol, on the other hand, would last because, quote, it was the elixir of life. Oh, wow. Well, not for me this month. It's sober October. Though there is no month that I will give up coffee. Everybody acts shocked. Tesla also was wrong about uh, newspapers. He thought in the 21st century, he predicted newspapers would just give a quick, as he said, stick in the back pages of crime and political controversy. He said that the front pages would be dedicated to scientific hypothesis. Oh. I wish it, ha- I wish it were. I know. That would be a much nicer thing to read about. And less stressful. Galaxy Magazine in 1952 They interviewed science fiction author Robert Heinlein, which, by the way, Heinlein is um, one of my favorite science fiction writers. He wrote um, The Door into Summer, which is a great time travel novel from the 50s. If you're looking for something kind of cool and classic sci-fi, check that out. Anyway, he said that uh, fish and yeast would be our main sources of protein. By the year 2000. I love nutritional yeast. It's cheesy and adds a little something to my he, baked dishes. He said beef would be a luxury. Isaac Asimov uh, went a step further. He said that uh, at the 2014 World's Fair, they would feature an algae bar that would have mock turkey and pseudo steak. He said, quote, it won't be bad at all. The Impossible Burger does not contain algae. He wasn't too far off there. No, I mean, corn products are yeah. made of fungus. Yeah, because they're mushrooms, right? Yeah. Mushroom protein. And their chicken cutlets make the best chicken salad. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> in 1956, there was an article in the Independent Press Telegrams magazine, which is called Southland. Experts imagined that by the year 2000, there would be farms where hydrogen bombs would be dropped to cause the soil to produce three-foot-long carrots and four-foot-wide turnips. I don't... And tomatoes the size of basketballs. Yes. No. One-ton tomatoes. They (laughs) ate a one-ton tomato, one-ton tomato. When in reality, now we just really want baby carrots. Baby carrots. Baby carrots. It's true. If anything, I go for the smaller vegetables now. I love those little tiny cucumbers. (laughs) I eat baby carrots. I don't like large tomatoes, only the little tiny ones, the little tiny ones, the little tiny ones. 
Futurist John Elfrith Watkins Jr. said that by the year 2000, the letters C, X, and Q will not exist because we don't use them enough or they're redundant. He's thinking, you know, C has the S and the K sound, and we don't, so we don't need C. We could just use K or S in place. X and Q, we just don't use enough. What is the purpose of eliminating them, though? What's How it's does redundant. that help anyone? It's just one less thing to have to write down or memorize when you're learning your ABCs. That's silly. So six years after he made that prediction, steel magnet Andrew Carnegie, or Carnegie if you prefer, uh, created the simplified spelling board to revamp the English language. And Theodore Roosevelt, who was president at the time, made his best efforts to put these changes into place, but uh, it didn't stick. Well, no, it just seems pointless. If it's not better, then why change it? Like, there should be changes if it makes things better. Not just for fuckery's sake. <laughs> also, why does the Carnegie Man, why does the Carnegie Foundation make me think of Sesame Street? Probably because the Carnegie Foundation sponsored or underwrote Sesame Street. Oh, maybe. Funding provided by. Oh, yeah. You're probably right. The Carnegie Foundation. Yeah, and they taught us how to spell. The Arthur The Day. right way. The right way. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, they could have saved all kinds of production costs and at Sesame Street. B-A-S-F. That's the reason. That's the reason why Carnegie wanted to do it, because it wouldn't cost so much to produce Sesame Street. <laughs> you just follow the money. Isaac Asimov also thought that uh, by the year 2000, people would be living underground, literally, not figuratively. Oh, well, they yeah. do in some places. I suppose. Yeah, they do. You did an episode on that at some of the uh, underground mine homes in Australia. Cooper's Petey. Cooper's Petey. Well done. Thank you. Isamoff also thought that by the year 2000, we would have entire communities that were underwater, that we'd be living underwater oh. at this point. Yeah, that sounds terrible. French artist Jean-Marc Coté thought that by the 21st century, one of our most popular sports would be riding fish. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of what kind of fish? I don't know. I pictured dolphins. You know, that makes more sense to me. He actually it was an artist that uh, produced some very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Fanciful illustrations oh. of the year 2000 and that was one of them people riding on giant fish in the year 2000 in 1930 frederick edward smith britain's former lord chancellor and a close personal friend of winston churchill he wrote a book called the world in 2030 a.d and he said that uh skiing parties in greenland will be made up in Engl in london clubs on saturday mornings and then translated into action before the same evening because everybody would have their own personal airplane by then. The flying car. Where Where is the flying car? They've been promising us the flying car. I know, since the Jetsons. Since the Jetsons. And really the closest that we've come to Jetson technology is uh, the telephone screen that they had back then. <laughs> right. Now we Zoom and FaceTime. He also said by the year 2030 that we would all just have three sets of clothing. I like that idea, actually. I've done a lot of research on capsule wardrobes, yes. and it makes a lot of sense. Well, sure it does. He said men would, would have revolted against what he considered 
Farcical, excessively complicated, and un unhygienic clothing. Hey, I'm into it. I support it. We would basically have one set of clothing for work, one for recreation, and a third for formal occasions. What do you wear to bed? Just sleep in the noodle, I guess. Because pajamas are considered clothing. I guess it depends on if you sleep formally or not. <laughs> I guess. Though I'd say recreational. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> Dairy. Back to Robert Heinland. He thought that clothing would be on the outs altogether. Oh. He thought we'd just all be walking around naked by now. Well, wh how is that beneficial to anyone? He said covering up would be reserved for strangers and conservative older relatives. And, oh, okay. And, so like being outside the house. And probably psychiatrists. Um, <laughs> but but the, he thought that uh, casual nakedness around the house would be like the norm, and it's really not that far from the norm in our house. Mm, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> yes, there are times when I've considered that maybe we should buy more blinds. Heinlein predicted that by the uh, 1990s, in fact, the United States would have passed a constitutional amendment that completely abolished state lines, that the United States would be the United State. I got it. I got it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that's a really interesting concept and would be a failure. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, you know, I think we have a lot of different ideas and people like to live in a place that their ideas they feel are being held reflected uh, back to them yes. yeah sure no i think that's just that's human nature that's the algorithm of life i think that was a disney song isimov thought that boston washington dc new york philadelphia all the major cities in the uh on the eastern seaboard would become just one mega city oh by 2020 wow okay, and it's so not that far i mean because you got Driving from D.C. back to Maine, mm -hmm. we went through D.C., Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York, mm -hmm. Providence, Boston. I mean, not to mention all the large towns and minor cities along the way. Yeah, I guess that's true. I'm always amazed at when we go on road trips and I see all the places, like these cute little cities and these really um, growing large towns mm -hmm. scattered across the way that have Ikeas, and we can't even get one <laughs> in the entire state of Maine. Oh, Ikea rant. Here we go. And finally, again, from Robert Heinlein, he imagined that by the year 2020, we would have nursing homes on the moon. God, like you don't... <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't put them away enough. Well, his thinking was... We don't even want the old people near us. They can go to the moon. That is some bullshit. His idea was to put together, like, uh, uh, retirement communities and nursing homes on the moon because it would slow the signs of aging because there's 17% less gravity. You'd be able to get up out of your barca lounger without going... Well, that's actually, that's, I mean, that's clever. Yeah. Maybe you could build something there that's like an old school community, mm. like what it was like when they were young. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. And so then they can feel lively and gravity free. And also like they're in their, their prime. Probably Disney has this on the boards already. I love it. As long as they have Dole Whips. <laughs> His estimation was that 
People who uh, were moon dwellers who moved there as they first started to show signs of aging mm-hmm. would reach the age of 120. Wow. I mean, all right. So there you go. But we should get going because <laughs> I already make a lot of noise when I stand up. And, <laughs> and in the shower. Shush. <laughs> Hey, I wanted to mention, this is kind of exciting. Uh, our podcast is now available on Amazon Music. Yeah. yeah. There are podcasts on there now, and ours just became available. Box of Oddities can be listened to on Amazon Music. All you got to do is uh, say, you know, the lady of the house's name. Alexa. Play the Box of Oddities. This is what she said when I when I tested it out today. This is This made me laugh. Getting the Box of Oddities from Amazon Music. Continuing the latest episode, Box 268, pouring vinegar in the mouth of a corpse. (laughs) We also learned that uh, her name comes from the... Alexandria, the the Library of Alexandria, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say that, but... Well, you were looking at me and you were gesturing like you wanted me to say that, because maybe you couldn't remember it. It's fine. (laughs) All right. And it comes, what was the name of that library it came from? I don't remember. Oh, okay. Boop. Fucker. <laughs> want to thank a bunch of people here real quick. Rick and Steve. Ah. Thanks, buddies. Rick and Steve sent us a gift on the PayPal, and it's just nice. Yeah. There was a nice little note attached to it, and they're always thinking and sending gifties and stuff, and it's just real nice. And then we got the cutest pug bookmark in a card that was handmade in an envelope that was made from an old calendar page. (laughs) And I just think that people are so much more creative and talented than I am. I don't know how we're the same species. (laughs) We also got, we had mentioned, we had speculated that a good mascot for the box of oddities would be Amy Hoosel, the armadillo. And we've had uh, several people send us cartoons of how they envisioned Amy Hoosel the Armadillo to look. We'll post those on the social media. Yes. Uh, Jesse, Emily, and uh, Black Photo Die on Twitter all sent us <laughs> Amy Hoosel Armadillos, and they're magical. Maybe what we can do is we can uh, put those up and people can vote on which one they like. I, I would imagine they'd like all of them. That's true. Because they're a, all amazing. Three-way tie. Good Why enough. do you have to make everything a contest? What? You're oh, saying you're, this to me? You're so competitive. <laughs> All right, Banjo's ready to eat, so let's wrap this up. We look forward to seeing you again next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Do you 
love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts.